Welcome to A Well-Cared-For Human, the podcast that tries to convince you that you are 100% normal and an even better than okay example of the human species, despite the fact that sometimes we feel like the craziest, most incapable, or worthless creatures on the face of this planet. I'm Corey, an author, a creative, and the host of the show. Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello, humans. It's your host, Corey, and today we're going to talk about people-pleasing. Specifically, I want to explore how people-pleasing can be a form of self-protection, something that you probably learned as a child as a way to keep yourself safe. What is people-pleasing? It's usually defined as working hard to make other people happy, often at the expense of your own well-being, your own needs, your own desires, essentially putting other people before you. People who engage in people-pleasing behavior may prioritize the approval and acceptance of others over their own values or preferences. So it's more important for you to be liked by somebody or to be approved of by somebody rather than to take care of yourself. This behavior can manifest in a variety of ways, usually as seeking validation or avoiding conflict or being overly agreeable. And so there are a lot of reasons why you might be doing this or you might recognize yourself in these descriptions. Personally, it took me a long time to figure out that both my people-pleasing nature and when I was confrontational, (laughs) which is the complete opposite of people-pleasing, I would go through periods where I would be very combative with people and I would also go through periods where I was trying to please everyone. And in both cases, they were all stemming from from the same place of me trying to protect myself. And it took me a really long time to understand the connection between those behaviors and the trauma background that I had. When I was a child, my parents had a lot of different issues. If you've been listening to the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But essentially, from my father's perspective, he's narcissistic, narcissistic personality disorder. And what that means is that it pretty much has an entire focus on his needs. So in the house, it's pretty much what he wants, what he needs, but it never feels like it's a enough so there's always this sense of you're never making him happy that you could never do enough you could never be enough he would never validate your own struggles or your own problems or needs it was very much about well what about him so for example if I was to express that I didn't like the way he talked to me like why did he talk to me that way it hurt my feelings he would be like well what about the way you treat me so there was a lot of ways in which he would maybe turn it around and so the emotional focus was always on him and so it taught me as a child if I wanted to avoid his verbal abuse or I wanted to avoid his emotional abuse, any of these things where he would kind of lay into me and make me feel really bad about myself or really try to tear me down. If I wanted to avoid those things, I had to walk this very thin line of what he wanted. Essentially, always making sure that I delivered exactly what he wanted of me, which because he was a very unsatisfied person, (laughs) most narcissists are, they're often not satisfied with themselves or the conditions of their lives. And so because that's such a narrow walkway, that's very hard for a child to do that. I mean, even an adult could not do that if they worked on it constantly, but children also, they're trying to figure out what they care about, what they like. And so there's a lot more exploration of these 
I don't want to say boundaries, but they are definitely exploring like how they feel about things, what they think about things. And if you're constantly being reprimanded or corrected for that, you feel very, I'm hesitant to use the word oppressed because oppression has a larger sociocultural conception behind it, but you definitely feel very corralled or you feel very controlled. There is a very narrow margin of which you are allowed to exist as a child if this is the kind of parent that you have. And then also from my mother's side, so my mother was very loving and affectionate, which is wonderful. That was a wonderful thing to have in a mother. But she was also very emotionally unpredictable and she was also very physically unpredictable. And what I mean by that is her behavior itself was somewhat erratic. This could have either been created by her drinking or her substance abuse disorder, but essentially she was never consistent from one day to the next. So you never really knew what to expect from her. And she would also engage in these self-harm behaviors. And so there was this version of me, little Corey, who was convinced if I was just really good, if I just did all the right things, it would make her behave better or it would make her stay home and be a good mom. Or like somehow controlling myself would make her do the quote right thing as a mom. So there was also me trying to people please in the sense that if I was just a really great kid who was wonderful to be around, maybe she would always come home at night rather than, you know, go off and get high or drunk with somebody else. So in either case, whether I was trying to seek validation from my father, get him to approve of me in some way, or just avoiding conflict with him, trying to be overly agreeable with him, that was a form of self-protection because I was trying to avoid some of these negative abusive interactions with him. Or also in my mother's case, trying to create a better atmosphere, a better relationship between the two of us by also just being very likable, very lovely to be around as a kind of to entice her (laughs) to come home each night and to be my mom. And in either case, again, these are self-protection mechanisms. That was little Corey trying to make sure that her needs were met by the adults in her life. So either getting my dad to meet my needs or my mother to meet my needs so that I could get the kind of consistent loving care that kids need to grow up well. It made me engage in some of these behaviors or do some of these things in order to try to take care of myself to protect myself because when you're a kid you can't really do things for yourself in a lot of capacities and so you need the people around you to do it and if they're just not capable of that or to get that from them comes at such a high cost as was the case with my dad you sacrifice a lot in order to try to get those needs met There are some other possibilities for why people might be engaging in people-pleasing behaviors So people pleasers often have a strong desire for approval and validation. Like with my dad, like I mentioned, I just wanted him to say I did something right, that I made him happy in some way because we seek that external affirmation in order to feel valued and accepted. And kids absolutely want to feel valued and accepted by their parents. It's like the one person in the world who's supposed to value (laughs) and accept you. And so when they don't, it can be really painful. And so that desire for approval, also we engage in people-pleasing when we're afraid of being rejected or disliked. And so this can drive us to try to prioritize the needs of other people, the desires of other people, just so that they will want to maintain a connection with us. Because humans often will stick with those who meet their needs, even though this is very backwards, like a child should not be trying to meet the needs of their parents. But it's very possible that maybe this was not a childhood trauma for you. It could very much be an adult trauma. 
Maybe you were in an abusive relationship with someone, and so you were always trying to put their needs ahead of your own, their desires ahead of your own in order to maintain that relationship or get them to stay or to keep you guys from fighting because again avoiding conflict is a part of that so fear of rejection fear of abandonment also so me being afraid that my mom might never come back or me being afraid that my father might reject me completely at some point and then never love or support me again those also are the kinds of dynamics that reinforce this people-pleasing behavior. People with low self-esteem will also use people-pleasing as a way to gain a sense of their self-worth through the positive feedback that we receive from other people. So for example, I had really low self-esteem as a child because of my difficult circumstances. There was definitely no one in my life building up my self-esteem, <laughs> especially because my father was very actively tearing it down at any given point in time. And so I had very low self-esteem. The only way that I could get him to give me that positive feedback to show any kind of acceptance or approval of me was to go out of my way to try to please him, to do whatever it is he wanted me to do, even if it was against my own best interest and my own well-being. Eventually, this flipped entirely, and I was so combative with him, <laughs> so resentful over the years of trying to do this, that it didn't work out. But when I was a much smaller child, I was willing to do almost anything for him. Probably up until I was a teenager, I thought that he walked on water. You know, I just thought he was the best thing in the world. And then when I entered my teenage years, I was like, who is this jerk? <laughs> who demands so much of me? But even then, I would still avoid conflict with him by maybe just agreeing with what he said or just telling him what he wanted to hear because it was just much easier than trying to deal with him head on whenever he was just so abusive and combative in his, I guess we could call it parenting style, if we could call it parenting. But definitely people pleasers will go to great lengths to avoid conflict, even if that means suppressing their own opinions or desires. And I saw that a lot in my mother's side, that family dynamic. So my uncle, if you listen to the Who Killed My Mother podcast, you know that my uncle was responsible for my mother's death and he was very abusive to her even when she was alive. Like he hit her with a glass ashtray one time and it caved in the side of her skull and she was in the hospital and she had to get like emergency brain surgery just to let the blood out so it wouldn't kill her. If you don't want something like that to happen, one of the things that you might have adapted to do is just completely agree with the person that you're with. So I saw that playing out when I would go over to my grandmother's house and there was usually whatever friends or fellow drug users were hanging out in the house at that time or either between my uncle and my grandmother or my mother and my uncle, these different family dynamics or whoever he was dating at the time. You could see the way these people would interact with each other to kind of avoid things flaring up or there being like a reaction. Obviously, it would eventually happen anyway, as was the case with my mother's attack. But there was a lot of also instances where you could tell, especially like the women in the family, that they would just kind of skirt around him or just like agree with what he was saying, even if it was nonsense, even if it made no sense whatsoever, because they were obviously trying to avoid this explosion of violence or this negative reaction that kind of escalated things quickly. A couple other possibilities are using people-pleasing as a way to kind of control the dynamic of a relationship. So it's sort of similar to the avoiding conflict, but essentially if you felt unsafe in your environment at any time or you felt unsafe in your relationships, 
it may be a natural reaction to try to anticipate the needs of other people or the expectations of other people and making sure that they stay happy and content just to avoid certain outcomes, to kind of control the dynamic, to keep things happening the way you want them to happen. For example, there was someone that I dated for a while and she wasn't even necessarily abusive herself. She was toxic as a person, which just means that she had some very unhealthy habits that was not great for us. And you shouldn't be in a relationship with someone like that who has a lot of negative issues that aren't good for you. But I was in a relationship with someone like that for a while and I would find myself kind of anticipating conflict even though it wasn't really existing and it wasn't even really her style, but I would just do things to try to get ahead of it just in case. <laughs> so it's like you anticipated that something might be terrible. <laughs> so you act a certain way or you do certain things just to make sure that things stay good or they stay stable at least, not good because you can't really have a good relationship with a toxic person. But you try to do things to kind of control the situation and keep it in a certain context. And that's not great because you can't control people. Essentially, people will do whatever they're going to do. And so it's a much better use of your time just to find someone healthy that you can be in a relationship with, that you guys are compatible and good for each other. But I did not know that when I was younger. <laughs> And so I would do certain things and kind of be overly agreeable or overly anticipatory of her needs in order to kind of keep things chill and stable, which was very different than what I had just come out of in my childhood and my adolescence. You might also be taught to be a people pleaser, if, depending on what culture you're in or what kind of social circles you run in. There are definitely cultural and societal expectations that can play a role in people pleasing behavior. If you're expected to be very lovely and sweet and kind as sort of your social role, then you may have been socialized to prioritize the needs of other people over your own. Like you're always supposed to say yes or you're always supposed to do that for somebody else. You can never just be like, no, I can't. I'm busy. Like, <gasps> Oh my gosh, what kind of terrible person are you? <laughs> so you might have been socialized at a very early age, depending on what your culture or your social influences are, to be a very agreeable and people-pleasing person as well, even though it's not healthy to put other people's needs above your own. But we do it because sometimes the priority is just staying safe, right? Prioritizing our own safety and well-being is just trying to head some of these things off. So how do we break the habit of people-pleasing? If it's a trauma response, if it's something that we do to keep ourselves safe, it can be very hard to convince ourselves that we don't need that tool anymore. So it took me a really long time to realize that I didn't need to please anybody anymore. Uh, when I got older and I got away from that situation and I started making new relationships, healthier friendships, and I started to realize I didn't need to put up this front or to be especially agreeable with people, I also did not need to, contrarily, fight with everyone <laughs> bite their head off <laughs> because that was kind of the first thing I did when I was moving out of people pleasing so again as a child tried to be super pleasant and lovable so that I could get my needs met but then it started shifting through my teens and early adolescence where I just became really combative like before they could hurt and disappoint me let me just get in their face <laughs> and be really snappy about it because it's also a form of self-protection, right? And so you can kind of push too far in the other direction when you're trying to abandon this habit. Just want to warn you about that. But it's also not necessary to bite somebody's head off. There's a nice medium in between biting people's head off and doing everything that they want you to do. There's a nice center spot in there. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> but if you want to break this habit, if you want to move from this kind of space or this dynamic into a healthier way of 
dealing with people. There's a couple of things to consider. First and foremost, if the toxic person that's creating this behavior in you is still around, it's going to be really hard to change. So neither of my parents were going to be able to change who they are. And so if I disagreed with them on something or I didn't want to play into those emotional games, it would have caused conflict. Like they would have, you know, shouted or thrown something or acted nuts. And so in that case, was it just more beneficial to my peace of mind to just not do that behavior, just to not engage with them. So it's kind of difficult to escape that people-placing behavior if you're still concerned with your safety or you're still concerned with your well-being. So my first suggestion would be to get away from those people if you can. Like just completely leave that dynamic exit stage, right? <laughs> like no need to continue. If there's someone whose presence causes you to do this people-pleasing behavior in order to keep yourself safe, just exit. If, however, you're doing this people-pleasing thing as an adult because you learned it as a child, you were conditioned as a child, and now you no longer need it, that's different. If you've gotten rid of the toxic people who were causing that self-protection habit, then you're ready to move away from the habit itself. Because the people-pleasing does undermine your wellness. If you are always concerned and hyper-focused on the needs of other people, you can't take care of and be aware of your own needs. And that's where we want to get to eventually in order to be well-cared for humans. So in order to get there, you're going to need to get to a more balanced place where you can focus on your own needs and not care what people think about you if you take care of those needs. Don't care what they're going to say or how they're going to react because your needs are more important than their feelings. Your needs are more important than their needs. And if you felt some resistance to hearing me say that, you might want to look at your feelings <laughs> around your needs because it's very possible that maybe you have been conditioned that your needs are not as important as other people's. And so you might be engaging in some of these behaviors. But let's say that you've gotten rid of the toxic people. You're ready to change your behavior. You want to put your well-being first. What are the things that you can do to help you with that transition? So first and foremost, I always recommend that we develop self-awareness. And I always say to do that through meditation and journaling. Again, go back and listen to those episodes for some techniques. But in this case, particularly what you're doing is you're trying to figure out why you do what you do, identify why you got this behavior of people pleasing, who made you feel unsafe, who made you feel like you needed to do this, understand what your situations were that you were dealing with in the past, understanding what your triggers are, when do you feel compelled to people please, what is the situation that makes you go there. And so that you can develop some awareness around it and then start building in some of that distancing. Because if you're not aware of what the problem is, it's really hard to address it. So I would definitely start with figuring out what's going on with you and why you, why you do what you do. Secondly, I would get clear on what your needs and boundaries are. Because if you've been conditioned to worry about everyone else's needs but your own, it's very possible that you have no idea what your needs or values or boundaries are. So you're going to really need to get to know yourself, know what is important to you, what you need to feel well, what you need in order to feel like you matter, that you're important, that you're valued, what you need to be happy. Get clear on all of that so that you can start asking the people around you to honor that and to respect that and to give you the space and support and time you need to take care of those own needs. Because if you have loving people in your life, they will absolutely respect your needs for well-being and self-care. But you're still going to need to be able to articulate what that is to the people around you. They're not just going to know <laughs> what you need. <laughs> so if you don't know what you need, they definitely don't know what you need, right? So get clear on what your needs are. Third, try to learn how to say no. I don't even want to say try to learn. Learn how to say no. Practice saying no without explaining yourself or feeling guilty about it. That was really hard for me in the beginning because I felt like 
I was just anticipating someone reacting badly to me putting up a boundary or me asking for my needs to be met. So as soon as I said that I needed something, I felt like I had to also say like a 1000 word explanation of why I needed that thing. (laughs) But there's no explanation needed. If you have something that you want or that you need, that's it. That is a complete sentence. Full stop. You don't need to justify that to anyone. But it's really hard not to do that if you're used to fighting with someone every time you've ever tried to exert your needs in the past. If that's what you've come to expect is pushback whenever you say you have a need or you try to get a need met, you're going to feel like you have to explain to people why you need this. But you don't. You really don't. That's just a compulsion that comes from having dealt with toxic, terrible people in your past. And similarly, guilty. You might also feel really guilty because you've been conditioned to believe that your needs don't matter. And so when you start meeting your needs instead of taking care of everyone else's needs, you might start to feel really guilty about doing that because you've been conditioned to believe it's wrong. And you're like, I'm doing something wrong. That's what your brain's going to tell you. But your brain is lying. (laughs) It's lying to you. And so it's okay to decline requests or to set boundaries, to protect your time and energy, tell people no, you don't owe anyone explanations, you don't need to do anything for anybody. They are grown adults, they are responsible for their own needs, you are not responsible for those needs. And this will get easier with time the more you practice. Again, it's a skill, it's a muscle that you've probably largely neglected because of how you were conditioned or how you were raised or maybe a terrible relationship that you had. And so it's going to take you time to work on improving your self-esteem. It's going to take you time to develop those assertiveness skills. It can feel really I remember the first few times I just tried to tell someone, you know, no, I need to go home and rest. I can't come out tonight. And that's a pretty basic request. But I felt like I was being so bitchy (laughs) just because I was like, I want to go home and sleep. Like, I felt like I couldn't say that to people. Like, I couldn't tell someone that I needed something. That sort of level of assertiveness or just being like, no, I can't do that. I really need to do this instead. That takes practice, being able to communicate with people to assert your needs and say what you need want in any given situation that requires building up that confidence and self-esteem to the point to where you know you can you feel like you can ask for what you want but definitely start to prioritize your self-care start to nurture your own physical well-being your emotional well-being mental well-being start taking care of yourself so that you can approach your relationships from a position of strength rather than from depletion or feeling like you're secondary which is absolutely not true You are your own individual, you're your own person, and you have the right to make the choices that are best for you, to do the things that you need to do to take good care of yourself. You don't owe an explanation to anybody about anything. Everyone else is responsible for their own needs, their own feelings, their own thoughts, etc. That is not your responsibility. And that's it for today, dear human. As always, I hope you found this episode useful. And if you would like to write into the show today and ask for my thoughts on something that you're dealing with, I would love to hear from you through any of my social media or through email at corey at coreymstrom.com. Otherwise, I will be back next week with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. And until then, please take good care of you. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash Marie.
If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.